This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. The turmoil that took place last week with regard to the U.S. elections, not least the fact that Trump tested positive from COVID-19, threw into spotlight the two vice president candidates, namely Republican Mike Pence and Democrat Kamala Harris. What is their role and how do they complement the presidential candidates? I'm delighted to have electoral analyst Wayne Sussman back with me to tell me more. Wayne, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Sharice. It's great to be back. Wayne, tell me a little bit more about Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Great. So let's just step, uh, take a step back and say that often the vice presidential picks is something which doesn't really shift the needle much when it comes to the presidential campaign. However, there have been examples where it has certainly played a role. I think back to Sarah Palin, um, who was the running mate of John McCain, the Arizona senator who challenged Barack Obama in 2008. She was a negative. Uh, I think back to Tim Kaine, who was Hillary Clinton's running mate in 2016, and he really didn't add bring much more to the table than what she was already offering. So just make those two statements by way of introduction. And let me introduce um, the listeners to Vice President Mike Pence and Senator Kamala Harris. So, and it's important to understand them because it's not like South Africa where you have a whole host of political options on the ballot. I mean, there are two other smaller parties running, um, essentially nationwide, but essentially this is about the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. And these have to be types of broad churches. Now, if you look at Donald Trump, he's this New York uh, businessman who uh, certainly tapped a nerve uh, and tapped into the anger of white working class Americans, particularly in the Midwest of America. If you look at someone like Senator Joe Biden, he is certainly an establishment Democrat. Um, he's got a long tradition with a party. He comes from Delaware, which is in the mid-Atlantic, northeast region of America, a traditional Democratic Party stronghold. So, again, I say that by way of introduction. Now, let me answer your question. Mike Pence Unlike Donald Trump, isn't a New Yorker. He comes from the Midwest of America. He comes from a family which used to own gas stations. He actually voted for Jimmy Carter and he used to be a Catholic. But when Mike Pence goes to university, he becomes a reborn Christian and at the same time embraces the Republican Party and embraces conservative politics. He becomes an attorney and... He has two unsuccessful runs for office. When he was, I forget if it's high school or university, he spoke about this, uh, which is probably when he was at university, he saw himself being president of the United States uh, of America one day and that God had a plan for him. And he then, after these two unsuccessful runs for office, embraces talk radio. And what I always say to people is you can have your political ideas, but you must always give people credit where they're good at. And even if you don't like Mike Pence, even if you're batting for the other team last night, Mike Pence is a superb communicator. And these are skills he honed when he was a talk show host. I think it was in Eastern Indiana where he called himself Rush Limbaugh. He's a very Rush Limbaugh and decaf. So Rush Limbaugh is this hellfire and brimstone right-wing radio um, pundit in America. 
um, essentially Pence was a more toned down version of him. And this is where he really develops a name for himself and where he really starts to emerge as this conservative commentator in Indiana politics. He runs for Congress again and he becomes elected and he defines himself as in this particular order. I'm first a Christian, a conservative and a Republican in that order. And he positions himself on the right of the party as he gets a, starts getting his national profile. And then he decides to run for governor. Again, remember, he's, when he was at university, he said, I want to be president of America one day and was good for him to become governor. When he was governor, he had a mixed, um, a mixed bag of, of results. He controversially signed something, and this is important to understand him, called the Indiana Senate Bill 101, which essentially was a move praised and loved by religious conservatives, but criticized by, for instance, the gay community. And a lot of big businesses and sporting organizations spoke out against this. And he really battled to manage this. At the same time, while he was battling to manage this, he shores up his credentials amongst right-wing evangelical conservatives. And when it comes down to Donald Trump choosing who he's going to choose as his running mate in 2016, he wanted to choose someone called Chris Christie. The other name on the uh, list was was Mike Pence. And there's this amazing story, maybe it's apocryphal, that Trump goes to a rally in Indiana and his aeroplane breaks down and he has to spend extra time in Indiana and he gets to meet Mike Pence again, and that apparently is what made his mind up. So again, going back to that question, the role of the vice president is to shore up the appeal to first the Republican Party, okay, and then the general voters. So Mike Pence appeals to middle America. Indiana is very close to states like Michigan um, and Ohio, etc., which are the battleground states in the middle of America. He appeals to the evangelical a base of the Republican Party, which is a highly energized, highly loyal base to the party. And this is how you need to understand him. Okay. Then with regards to um, Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, and again, I say this, Joe Biden, uh, I said a white senator and vice president from the state of Delaware, on the complete other side of America is Kamala Harris. Her parents come to the United States via South India, and her father, that's her mom, and her father comes to the United States via Jamaica to pursue their dream of studying at a, an American university. So on the one hand, she has South Indian ancestry. On the other hand, she has Caribbean ancestry, and she's someone who's black. Again, you, a lot of those, uh, just in that nutshell, many of those groups are core voters and supporters of the Democratic Party. And she grows up, uh, I think, in Oakland, California, and becomes a prosecutor and rises through the ranks to become the district attorney in San Francisco and then the attorney general of California. And she was clearly destined to become a senator. She was someone who really excited the Democratic Party. She becomes a senator in 2016. Uh, so she's actually been in the Senate for a very short time. And... In 2019, after being in the Senate for a few years, she decides to run for president. And there was a lot of buzz and excitement about her. Here was a woman. Here was a woman who was not white. Um, and here was a woman who could clearly uh, be 
essentially carry on the mantle where Hillary Clinton fell just short. And she starts picking up a lot of traction, but runs out of money and runs out of momentum and drops out of the race before the Iowa caucuses. But she gets shortlisted for the vice president job and she gets chosen. One of the things is, so on the one hand, she energizes the fact that here is an African-American woman on the ballot. Here is a woman of South Indian ancestry on the ballot. The Indian community in America is a very large community. Here is someone who is from a liberal state of California, but at the same time she appeals to moderates because she was quite a tough prosecutor. So that was a long answer to a short question. Wayne, earlier this week we had the vice presidential debates and it looked to go a lot better than the initial presidential debate. Are they more congenial character? Correct. I think um, the debate was much more civil. I remember one of the things, and some time ago there was a fly on the vice president's head. People seem to be talking about that fly. Uh, it wasn't as eventful uh, as the presidential debate, uh, debate. I don't think it's going to be as memorable. But I do think it was a good debate for both Mike Pence and Kamala Harris for different reasons. I think Mike Pence again shored up his credentials as a superb communicator, as someone who's able to, just as we go back to his days on Indiana Talk Radio, to talk to listeners, to talk to um, the American people last night. And I think Kamala Harris, the way she looked at the into the eyes of the uh, camera, the way she looked and personally addressed the American people, I also think raised her profiles and raised her credentials. The stakes are obviously high because we know that President Trump had to go to hospital. We know that he tested positive coronavirus. We know that Vice President Joe Biden uh, is in his late 70s. So there's a lot of scrutiny. Uh, there was a lot of scrutiny on the two candidates. Um, and I would say that both did a service to their party uh, I would say it is a split decision. I think Mike Pence uh, did out-debate uh, Hillary Clinton's running mate Tim Kaine in 2016 by a wider margin than last night. But he did, Pence didn't deliver a knockout blow. So I don't think the gap between Donald Trump, who's behind in all the polls right now, compared to Joe Biden, was uh, narrowed by much last night. And there's, uh, I think today... Uh, there are about 25, 24 days to go to the election, so time is certainly running out. What role would the vices play if something happened to the presidential candidates? So this was a scenario this week uh, with the president. I mean, was there a chance that Pence, uh, that if Trump was incapacitated, that Pence would have to temporarily take over? Um, that is something which was a realistic scenario. We know that in the past that, look, I think just with regards to the race right now, I think it's unlikely uh, that in the next 25 days uh, something catastrophic will affect or beset the two candidates. But uh, it's a more realistic scenario when one of them wins, and we do know that if, uh, heaven forbid, uh, that one of them had to die or be incapacitated and unable to fulfill their duties, that then the vice president would step into the role. So traditionally the vice president role is not the most glamorous role. It's a very difficult job. Uh, it's a job where you essentially have to be loyal. You have to pick up the scraps of things the president doesn't want to tackle. 
that's not as glamorous as, say, the Secretary of State role um, or other roles in the administration. But essentially, you remain a heartbeat away from the presidency. And that's why I, I think the spotlight was particularly big on the two people running last night. I just want to say something very briefly, uh, which was really interesting last night. Uh, and that's when questions weren't answered. Two particular questions come to mind. Um, and then a, a point which Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris put a big, um, accent on and, uh, and underlined a few times that I saw she did it after Twitter. And I just want to read deeper into that. So Mike Pence ignored the question of whether he would choose a smooth transfer of power if his party lost the elections. And for me, that's quite concerning. Another thing which is quite concerning is that Kamala Harris didn't answer the question whether um, if the Democrats won the White House, whether they'd stack the bench with additional judges, because we spoke about the Supreme Court bench being skewed last week, 6-3 in favor of conservatives. So it's very interesting how they both Harris and Pence didn't answer pivotal questions, because I think they know that it's something which independent voters have relatively strong views on. And one thing I want to go back, and again, because this underlies the importance of the Electoral College, Kamala Harris said on numerous times during the debate that Vice President Biden would not ban fracking. She also did a very short, sweet, sharp tweet after the debate confirming this. Now, why would you say that an issue of fracking, which probably has very little relevance to someone in Los Angeles, someone in New York, someone um, in Miami, Florida, someone in probably Cleveland, Ohio, why did she keep on saying this? Because we know that Pennsylvania is a swing state. And in the state of Pennsylvania, fracking is a major issue in this election. And that just shows that sometimes politicians focus on certain things because they know how high the stakes are in this electoral college system in certain swing states. Wayne, thank you once again for joining me and giving, sharing your analysis and insight into what is quite complicated American electoral system. And certainly as the weeks get closer, I think there's going to be more and more to talk about. Thank you. And I hope uh, I was able to distill it in a way which makes it relevant to this wonderful audience. Thanks, Therese.